Hey, Chloe. Hey, Rash. How are you going? Yeah, pretty awesome. How about you? Pretty awesome. I'm excited. It's that time of the week again. Mm. I, I hear the I hear the the music intro, and I'm like, yeah, let's go. Mm. Me too. So, uh, yeah, what we're going to talk about today? Well, before before we say what we're going to talk about, I'd actually just love to do a massive shout out to everyone that's listening, which is just so thrilling for us all. We found out um, this week that we've had two and a half thousand downloads in the last in the first twenty eight days of. Um, Pilates elephants being out there in the big wide world. Mm. How are you feeling about that, Rush? Yeah, pretty good. I feel like we're just getting started, though. Feel like we're just getting started? Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastically exciting, isn't it? So I just, I guess I really want to say thank you for everyone that's that's getting involved, getting engaged, messing, messaging us, um, sharing the podcast. Uh, with with colleagues, and I'd really love to encourage more of that sharing. So if you know you're getting some some light bulb moments listening to this, and some ahas, and some yeah, like share it, share it around. You know what else you could do if you're listening and you like it? Leave us a five star review on iTunes because that really makes nice. a difference. That well, that'll that uh, makes you know pushes us up in the rankings a bit and lets people find us more easily. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're scrolling through and going, oh, what will I listen to? Well, if we pop up, if, if you give us more more reviews, we'll pop up more. And that'd be awesome. Mm. Thanks, everyone. So just a massive thank you. Um, okay, back to your original how, question. How much do we get paid for doing this podcast, Chloe? Um, we get paid nothing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> although, Is that per hour although, or uh, per show? Yeah, well, well, technically, I guess... I guess you you're, are, you're, you're, time, you're actually yeah. paying me. Yeah, we are on work time, so that's that's yeah. <laughs> that's really nice. And um, I I'm getting paid, I guess, in how um, you know all the all the positive vibes that are that are they're coming back and and you know everyone that's saying how much it's it's helping helping them. Sorry, and mm-hmm. helping enlighten. I think I was putting helping and enlighten into the same word, but yeah, it's fantastic. It's so exciting. Yeah, actually, you know what? Yes. When we started, when we started it, like it was really just kind of you and me. You know, this was like six weeks ago. We were just kind of having this, one of our pretty regular phone chats that we have, yeah. and kind of raving about whatever you know, some kind uh-huh. of myth or elephant. And you know, we said, "Oh, let's let's we should have we should make this into a podcast." And so we did, and it really was nothing more than us just kind of getting stuff off our chests. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I'm 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 very pleased and uh, a little bit surprised actually that people it's resonating with so many people so yeah, if you're listening yeah good on you you're I've a been, kindred spirit i've been feeling the same and yeah just really just really grateful so to have the platform mm. so what are we going but, to use a platform for today chloe <laughs> i've been waiting with beta breath to discuss this topic mm. um bumped it bumped it to the top of our our long long exciting list that we've still got to go mm. and well, it well, every, is every time every time we we do a podcast we get to cross one item off our list but then we think of four more things to put on this, so. you know what it's like it's quicksand our list draft is quicksand and I love that we share the list. <laughs> you and I just constantly pop stuff on. Yeah, it's like, it <laughs> random hours of, of the day. Fantasia, you know, there's the the Disney movie from the 1940s where Mickey Mouse is a magician. And anyway, the the, the one with the broomsticks. Anyway, go yes. watch it. All right. Yes. So yeah, what yes. what are we going to talk book talk okay. about today? Anyway, okay. Da, 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 da. Fascia. How fascinating. <laughs> Did you just think of that then? No, it's such a tired joke. I've, every, Is it? <laughs> every time you read a fascia blog, it always talks about fascinating. Yeah. Can't claim any any credit for that whatsoever. Well, it really it tickles my fancy. It mm. really works with my sense of humour. So how fascinating. Yeah. The magical, magical realm of fascia woo. Mm. So, we're, yeah, set us up. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, wow. Oh. Gee, where to start? Where to start? I think um, I want us to talk about, well, let's have a chat about 
what is fascia <laughs> and, and you know, what are the different roles it plays within the body and why is why has it captivated uh, this this magical kind of pseudoscience um, realm and and fascination and kind of grown into you know a collateral money making realm for some mm-hmm. as well um, and. Uh, yeah, and just just why and the misconceptions and you know why do we think we need to release it? Why would we want to release it? How could we release it even if we tried? I'd love to really bust some myths wide open uh, that are still prevalent, and I see I'm going to put my hand up and say I see it on the daily on social media myths around fascia. Mm. So it's a biggie, and it might make some of you feel uncomfortable. Mm. I think fascia is one of those, like, it's kind of just a magic word, really. Like, it's got some hidden power in it, like, I don't know, GMO or uh, mm. organic. Or, okay. You know, organic like, fascia. You know, but they're just words that make anything healthier. You know? Right, okay. Like, like if you if you buy your Himalayan rock salt at the supermarket and it says, you know, GMO-free or organic, you know, you're like, oh, awesome, must be good for me. Yeah. You know, or like, yeah. or like I don't know. People say, "Oh, have this ice cream. It's it's healthy. It's organic," you know. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. um, I think people, you know, I think fascia is also one of those words that in the movement world, and you know, like it's a big thing in the massage world as well. Mm. But like, that's mm. not really our world. So we're just going to talk about the kind of the the movement side of things. But mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a magic word for p- Pilates people, especially, but also some physios and exercise physiologists. Mm-hmm. Just things mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah, you just say fascia, and if you even add the words like anatomy trains or mm-hmm. something like that, then it makes or my fascial slings, my fascial release. Mm. Oh, my fascial slings. Yeah. Well, we better talk about slings today. That's a that's a that's a magical woo, isn't it? Mm. So right. again, I'm just going to say, you know, like like a lot of our conversations, you might be sitting there going, ooh, 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 "This is not this is not my understanding of of the thing or the world," and that's cool. Well, first, what is fascia? Well, I'm, I'm going to let, I mean, I, it's connective tissue. Yeah. What? Yeah, con- it's connective tissue, exactly. It's made of you know, primarily collagen, and, which is a protein. And you know what other what other forms of tissue in your body are also connective tissue? Bone. Are you asking me rhetorically? Yeah. Or? Well, I, I <laughs> are you know. asking what? me the question? I'm not sure if I'm being well, quizzed here. <laughs> do you, well, I don't know. Do you want to answer it or do you want, do you want no, to No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to leave it to you, yeah. Well, bones, connective tissue, tendons, ligaments, and mm-hmm. guess what else? Your blood is connective tissue. And you know what else? Mm. Fat is connective tissue. Yeah, mm. adipose tissue, connective tissue. And, of course, there's just heaps of connective tissue like within your muscle cells. So each kind of muscle fiber slash cell is surrounded by connective tissue, and then you have a bundle of muscle fibers uh, you know, and that bundle is surrounded by connective tissue, and then then you have a bundle of bundles of fibers, and that bundle of bundles is surrounded by connective tissue. Then you have a whole bundle of those, and that's called a muscle, and that's surrounded by connective tissue. And there's basically a layer of connective tissue in between every one of your organ or every one of your organs and every other structure. So there's a connective tissue in between your liver and your intestine, and in between your skin and your subcutaneous fat, and in between your subcutaneous fat and your muscles, you know, et cetera. So basically this connective tissue uh, is essentially everywhere in your body. And um, mm. there's the, the you know, the things that we think of as, for instance, um, tendons or ligaments or, you know, bands, things like the iliotibial band or the thoracolumbar fascia, um, things like, you know, those structures are not really singular standalone structures. Um, like the iliotibial band is a band that goes from your ilium, your hip bone, to your tibia on the down the side of the outside of your leg. You mm-hmm. know, most people probably know it as the ITB or the IT band. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you look at it in an anatomy textbook or whatever, you see this this sort of white line of you know about an inch, an inch and a half wide that goes essentially from your hip joint down to your you know, below the knee. Um, but actually on a cadaver, you know, or on a live human, that's not what it looks like. It It is, there's something called the fascia lata, which is a cylinder, a tube, 
of fascia, you know, connective tissue, ligament, mm-hmm. that wraps the whole thigh, you know, like 360 degrees around the thigh, and the fascia lata, sorry, the iliotibial band, the IT band, is simply a thickening of that fascia lata. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not actually a band, mm. you know, like as a, a, it's not a standalone, it's a duplex, you know, like it's, mm. well, it's continuous really with... Mm with with the rest of the the fascia st- structure and mm. so um yeah so we think of you know pieces of tissue in the body but really everything's kind of you know continuous really so yeah that's fascia mm, and it and it has lots of different fascia has lots of different consistencies yeah doesn't it yeah which i think is really interesting um yeah, yeah, like the the fascia um, in between, say your skin and your subcutaneous fat, is uh, what what they would call uh, loose connective tissue. So it's it's you know it's really uh, so basically all fascia, um, all connective tissue. You know, again, whether you're thinking about you know a tendon or a ligament or your thoracolumbar fascia or your IT band or the layer of um, you know loose connective tissue in between your skin and your subcutaneous fat. You know, mm-hmm. it's all made of the same stuff, basically collagen fibers and collagens are proteins and this mm-hmm. thing called ground substance, which is basically just a jelly, right? So it's basically ah, fibers. Ground, of, ground substance. Yeah, ground substance. That's It's not a really good name because it makes me Wow, think, what does it mean? Well, it, it doesn't mean anything. It makes me think of like electricity, you know, like when you ground something, but it's not. It's nothing to do ah. with that. It's nothing to do with the earth or ground. It. I don't know why they call it that. Um <sighs> And there may be an interesting story there, but I don't know it. But basically, yeah. it's just it's just a jelly, right? So think like think like hair gel, right? You know, yeah. like it's that kind of consistency, and it's got these collagen fibers in it. And collagen fibers think like carpet fibers, you know, like just kind of yeah, carpet fibers, and mm. in hair gel. And so that's what your ligaments are made of. That's what your mm-hmm. subcutaneous loose connective tissue is made of. And the only difference, or the main difference between those structures is how much collagen and how much yes. ground substance, right? So your ligaments are like 90%. Yep. I don't know what the percentage is, right? But just let's say, you know, mostly collagen with right. a tiny bit of ground substance. So they're, they're really much more rigid and, uh-huh. you know, um, you know, strong. Whereas the loose connective tissue in between your skin and subcutaneous fat or in between, you know, two layers of muscle or whatever, um, you know, in between, say, the vastus lateralis muscle on your thigh and the vastus intermedius muscle on your thigh, there's a layer uh-huh. of connective tissue. And that would be mostly ground substance, you know, mostly uh-huh. gel with yep. a few bits of collagen floating through it. So it's not very strong. It's very mm-hmm. soft and malleable and you know, viscous, like it's a, it's a semi-fluid, you know, semi. Mm. So, yeah, so mm. there is a wide variety of consistencies and also the the properties change with temperature so you know oh, wow. it, it's um uh, 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 it's a, a colloidal substance i think is a, is the word where basically as you warm it or apply pressure to it 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 becomes uh you know more it behaves more as a fluid you know uh this the loose connective tissue um right so yeah so it as you basically you know imagine like you feel stiff and then you do a warm-up, you know, uh-huh. like you do some, you know, jog, jogging or dynamic stretching or whatever, you know, moving mm-hmm. around vigorously. And that, mm-hmm. that warms the temperature of your tissues and makes your loose connective tissue more loose, you know, makes it more mm. more liquidy. Mm, super cool. Mm. Right. Okay. So what is the obsession with it. To me, we're, I mean, we're talking about things that's like, well, it's just, you know, part of being a human being, just like we have bones and muscles and whatnot. So, okay, I, I guess let's, let's think of some of the things that, that, that you know, I think the, the, the fascial slings. Mm, I think we, that, I, that's I, a big one. I think that's I think a big that's one a, for people, yeah. I think that's a big one. I think we should talk fascial slings, and then I think we should talk about this sense of 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 people trying to release oh. fascia and and why what why we the pro- fuck why we is don't want to what is release well, yeah. well what is release and also I'm going to be the first to put my hand up and say I don't want to be a jellyfish. If you could release my <laughs> you know what I mean? release my it's funny my, isn't it like my some, fascia I would be things, a blob yeah, on the floor. Some things that we want to have. Uh, 
released and other things we don't like you don't want your bones released do you you know <laughs> please no Please no, but you know what? Can we even like what is re- what is released? Okay, well, should we? Okay, do we? <laughs> I think. I think. Let's in, go. Should we? Yeah, yeah. In 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 the movement world, and I'm sure it's the same in every other yeah. you know, realm of life. We have a lot of these kind of buzzwords that are very mm-hmm. common in use, and people think they mean something, but actually, when you really get down to it, actually, it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, mm. And I think you know, release is one of those words when it comes to fascia. Yeah, like what? So what does it mean? I think what does it mean? So I think um, a really common one, and I can put my hand up and say I was, I was one of these people back in the day, one of those teachers that had my entire class start by trying to release their ITB, mm. and I would have them roll over it, and I would. These are the words that would come out of my mouth. Oh, it's hurting! Awesome. The more it hurts, the better. Yeah. I said that, Raph. I said that and I saw everyone there grimacing and just in agony as they're rolling out their ITB. So let's have a chat about, let's let's first go, okay, well, you know, because I found this really fascinating when I learned this, um, when I did the diploma for the first time, what the actual function is of the ITB and why why we actually wouldn't want to release it even if we even if we physically could, even if we decided we're going to roll it over with a steamroller, why we wouldn't actually want it anything but on tension. And why you couldn't actually release it yeah. you know, without like a, a pneumatic press or, you know, elephants, wild elephants pulling you with chains or something. Yeah, lion clamping down. They've, they've done these studies, by the way, guys. But, um, yeah, Raf, can you just go, go over a bit over the – you know, the biomechanics of what the ITB does. Yeah, I think so that's helpful. The iliotibial band is uh, a really interesting and fairly complex piece of tissue. So it, it has uh, attachments in multiple muscles um, above the hip, uh, on the thigh, and uh, and below the knee, at the knee and below the knee. So, um, you know, most people, you know, if you're listening to this and you study Pilates, you probably know that the tensor fascia lata, the TFL, the, one of the hip flexors on the outside of your hip, uh, inserts into the iliotibial band. Uh, and many people might also know that the gluteus maximus um, also inserts into the iliotibial band, which, uh, so both of those muscles, you know, they're uh, the gluteus maximus, most of its fibres insert into the iliotibial band and only some, you know, probably I don't know what the exact number is, but let's say like less than a quarter would be my my estimate of the number of fibres of glute max that don't insert into the IT band, you know. So, mm. so most of the glute max fibres uh, insert into the IT band. Then the IT band, uh, which is really just a thickening of the fascia lata, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, travels uh, down from the hip um, and – uh, wraps around, uh, so the 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 thickening of the fascia lata, that is the IT band, is a kind of a junction between the the tubular part of the fascia lata, which wraps around the outside of the thigh, and this kind of what's called an inter, intermuscular septum, and basically a, a sheet of fascia, which which goes between down the down the outside of your thigh between you know behind the vastus lateralis muscle the outside quadricep mm-hmm. and in front of your biceps femoris you know the outside hamstring mm-hmm. um, so in between the kind you know divides the front of your thigh from the back of your thigh in other words um, mm-hmm. and and connects into the femur you know the thigh bone so it goes basically the full length of the femur um, mm-hmm. all the way from basically from your hip joint to your knee joint, basically. So the the IT band literally, you know, connects directly to the femur for its full length. You know, like, mm. well, maybe not its full length. I'd say like 80%, 90% of its length is mm. it's directly connected to the femur. Uh, and then around the knee joint, uh, oh, sorry, down through the, it, it also inserts in, uh, into the biceps femoris down towards the knee, you know, the, the outside mm. hamstring. Mm-hmm. Uh, it inserts into the outside of the patella, the kneecap. Um, and that uh, it inserts into also the outside front of the tibia. Um, and so it's got like a huge number of functions. Um, mm. But for example, uh, when you run, um, it stores elastic tension. So basically mm-hmm. when you run as you land, um, you contract your glutes particularly, but also your TFL isometrically, you know, so like without changing distance, you know, like basically an isometric contraction is like a holding contraction. Mm-hmm. And as you land, that basically 
stretches, you know, or in a, the, the high-class way we say it is it tensions the IT band. And, you know, mm-hmm. exactly like an elastic band, if you stretch it, it stores energy, you know. So if you, if you have an elastic band and you hold it between your fingers and you pull it, it's got a, it's got uh-huh. energy stored in it. And then if you let it go, it releases that energy. And, you know, mm-hmm. it'll you can flick your eye out with it or you can make it, you know, operate a balsa wood propeller plane or, you know, you can do do work with it, basically. Um, Yeah, and so the IT band, you know, that's one of its key functions is storage of and release, obviously, of elastic energy when you run, Mm -hmm. which reduces the requirement for muscular effort when you Mm -hmm. run. So it basically, you know, significantly increases the energy efficiency of running Um, and also in things like, you know, squatting, lunging, stair climbing, et cetera, you know, the same, uh, you know, mechanism improves the the amount of force that we can generate against the ground, you know, by storage mm-hmm. storage and release. You know, like if, if you go for a jump, you know, if you wanted to jump as high as you can, you would first automatically would kind of squat down a bit and then mm-hmm. jump up. And that's basically storing elastic energy in, you know, among other things, the IT band. Yeah, mm. so it's got a whole bunch of other functions, but basically that's that's a real key one. Mm. And I remember I remember, you know, it stood out to me that it's um it's it's on fun- like it's it's doing some sort of you know on tension for every movement of the hip apart from adduction. Did right. I remember yeah. that correctly? So, yeah. So it's so you know the fibers of glute max, uh, you know most of them insert into the IT band. So anytime you extend or abduct or laterally rotate your hip, you know that's what glute ma- glute max does. So any of those movements or any combination of those movements is going to tension the IT band. Uh, mm-hmm. The tensor fascia lata. Uh, all of its fibers inserting the IT band, and it is a flexor, abductor, and internal rotator of the hip. So anytime uh-huh. you flex, abduct, or internally rotate your hip, it tensions uh-huh. the IT band. Then also, uh, yeah, I forgot to mention this a minute ago, but it inserts also into the gastrocnemius, you know, the the calf muscle, the more superficial calf, calf muscle. So anytime you activate your lateral fibers of gastrocnemius, uh, that tensions, you know, like if you plantar flex your ankle, in other words, you point your toes, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, applies some degree of tension to the IT band. Uh, when you uh, uh, contract your vastus lateralis, it bulges outwards and tensions the IT band. If you contract your biceps femoris, it, you know, creates some degree of tension in the IT band. So basically, if you if you flex, extend, internally rotate, externally rotate, or abduct your hip, Mm-hmm. It tensions the IT band. If you point your ankles, it tensions the IT band. If you flex your knee or laterally rotate your knee, it extends the IT band. Uh, sorry, tensions the IT band. If you uh, activate your quads, it extends your, it tightens your IT band. So basically, if you move your leg essentially in any direction, mm. it tensions your IT band. Mm. Amazing. Okay, so <laughs> sounds like something we would like to probably not release. But if we wanted to release it, could we release it rolling it on a foam roller? Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. <laughs> so I've, <laughs> I've got a great little, um, a, 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 an awesome graphic uh, that I pinched a while ago from Trust Me, I'm a Physiotherapist page, which, by the way, everyone, you should be following um, Niels. He's fantastic. So it's called Trust Me, I'm a Physiotherapist. Uh, very evidence-based, up-to-date um, information. And it's from a study, um, Chowdhury et al. 2008, mm. and the amount required to produce 1% compression or shear force on the fascia lata, latte, lata, <laughs> 925 kilos. 925 kilos. How much you bench, Chloe? <laughs> Yeah. Nine twenty-five. The conclusion, conclusion, conclusion of the study: such forces are far beyond the physiological range of manual therapy. Mm. Nine hundred kilos. That's a lot of force. That's a lot that's, of force. That's more and than. You, that's like fifteen times the body weight of the average adult female. So, so you really, when you hear this, guys, you really, you got to like. We we've really got. I think this is important to change the narrative. Right. If you enjoy rolling out on a foam roller, I'm not telling you not to roll around on a foam roller. So, right? so, so, if you so, in- so, why does why you know why does rolling on a foam roller like make your thigh feel better? 
Well, it's a bit of neuromodulation. And do you want to know my favorite definition of neuromodulation yeah, when I learned about this concept with um, Adam Meeks? <laughs> okay, this is Adam Meekin's definition of um, neuromodulation and it's stuck with me and I love it. Fucking around with the nervous system. Yeah. So what that means is you're just changing up the nervous system. It's It's short-lived. You know, it's kind of like when something if something's hurting and then you poke something else to make it hurt more, you kind of forget that the other thing was hurting, right? Yeah. It's it's like a distraction. It's a, you know, and, and I hear people say, but really, really, like I really love rolling out my ITV. Like it's, you know, and it's like, okay, well, here I would say in regards to specifically ITV, I would be saying do something better with your time in all honesty. If you want to roll around elsewhere on the body, Go for it, but I just—I don't know. Am I? Is that? Uh, well, I, I don't know. I think there's a little. We'll bit go of, for it if you want to do I, it. I think there's a little bit of nuance to that. Well, I think you know, number okay. one, if you're rolling on your ITB, there's no way in hell you're going to do anything, you know, mechanical to the ITB, you know, by doing that. It's like you're applying the amount of force you're applying is like you know, one or two percent of the amount required in order to actually make a mechanical change to the IT band. So it's like, yeah, and you and you're potentially just poking the bear as well. Like if you're already feeling achy in that spot, a spot, and you're poking at it, I don't know. Yeah, well, it depends why. Mm-hmm. Depends why you're feeling achy in that spot, and you know a lot mm. of people do experience uh, relief after rolling or with a foam roller or you know massage or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know one mechanism of that might be what uh, descending inhibition or you know what's sometimes called pain gating, where basically you've got um, sort of essentially two. Yeah, and you know, apologies to any neurobiologists out there and kind of oversimplify a little bit, but basically you've got, you know, two sets of um, sensory nerve fibres, um, you know, in, in your body and one set is like uh, basically myelinated, so they're kind of wrapped in, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, electrical tape to make them make go faster, mm-hmm. uh, insulate them, uh, and, and they transmit sensation very quickly you know so they transmit sensation at something like uh i think it's like 100 meters a second from memory um Mm -hmm. uh, where and then you have slow small unmyelinated fibers that transmit sensations much slower like you know three meters per second or something and Mm -hmm. and this makes sense when you think about well you know having a thicker myelinated fiber one takes up more room in your body takes two takes more energy to you know to build it and maintain it um and but it performs better, so it delivers sensation more quickly. And there are certain certain parts of your body that you really want to know about now. Like, okay, if someone's you know poking you in the eye, you want to know about that now, not in a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, if something's disturbing your lower digestive tract, well, probably knowing about that in five seconds is going to be fine. You know, mm-hmm. like it doesn't really matter if the signal's a bit slower. So we we kind of economise. On the on the insulation and the size of the fibers, you know where it doesn't really matter, and then where where we need sensation quickly, um, you know we 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 spend the you know the energy to to produce that, and so um, uh, when you have like a low level you know pain in your knee or your thigh or your you know, hip or you know whatever you know whatever for whatever reason you're rolling out your IT band, you know you've got some kind of ache basically, mm-hmm. that's like a low level continuous ache that is a you know that's kind of an irritating level pain and that would be transmitted through your slow unmyelinated fibers you know so it's like it you know your your brain knows it's not an emergency it's just kind of an irritation mm-hmm. um whereas when you roll on it you know if you imagine the extreme example you get like a lacrosse ball you know and you you lie on your side on that on your it band and you're like yeah, that really fucking hurts. And, yeah. you know, like, so that is, your brain perceives that as like, no, that's an emergency. <laughs> that really right, fucking hurts. Right, right, so, right, So that come, that is transmitted through your fast myelinated fibers. Now, here's the thing. Both your slow unmyelinated fibers and your fast myelinated fibers, uh, they come into your spinal cord and then they share, once they get into your spinal cord, they kind of share a common synapse like so basically they they converge into like it's like a railway crossing right so only one 
only one fibre can transmit to the brain at the same time. You know, it's like channels on the TV. You can listen to one channel or the other channel, but not both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you've got like a slight irritation and also a massive emergency, well, your brain obviously prioritises the massive emergency. Mm-hmm. So you become, you know, you you prior, you synapse, you know, up to allow the sensation from that, you know, those thick myelinated fibres through, um, mm-hmm. which turns off the synapse from the thin unmyelinated fibers. So basically when you foam roll, you turn on the emergency circuits, which turns off the low level alarm, right? And then so even when you stop, it takes a while for your nervous system to reset basically. So you still, you after you stop foam rolling, right, you still have the synapse open mm. in case there's another emergency in the leg, right? And so you can't feel this low level sort of grumbly pain that you've been experiencing because, it, you know, basically the gate is shut on it. But, mm-hmm. you know, then half an hour later or an hour later, whatever, you know, comes back. Comes back. Mm. Yeah. So, so you, neuromodulation, you're getting, yeah. a, you're getting a little, you're getting a little bit of, a little bit of temporary relief. Yeah. And there might be also other effects like, you know, you're expected to help, so it helps, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we know Maybe that, you're getting some relaxation, maybe you're getting some, yeah. Yeah. We know that placebos that are, more painful and invasive are more effective, you know. Ah, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's um there's fairly good literature on it. So like if you you know for you know most people know what a basically if you're in a drug trial and they're trying to figure out if the drug works, they give you you know half of the people get the real drug and half of the people get a tablet that looks exactly the same, but is in fact just you know sugar and corn flour or whatever. Mm. Um. And, you know, everyone gets a little bit better. But the, the, the question is, you know, do the people who are taking the real tablet get any better than the people who just took the placebo tablet? Mm. And so it's well established that, you know, there's a placebo effect. If you expect something to get, make you better, it does, in fact, make you better to some mm-hmm. some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, so what we what we found is, like, it's quite nuanced, actually. So a, a, a bigger tablet works better than a smaller tablet. You know, you get better pain relief from a bigger pretend aspirin than from a smaller pretend aspirin. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. get better pain relief from a capsule with the red and blue little like granules in it. You know, so yeah, sensory, right. those work better. Those like placebo ones of those work better than placebo tablets. Um, mm-hmm. A placebo injection, so like just salt water injected into your arm, but being told it's a powerful painkiller works better than a capsule or a tablet. Um, and placebo surgery you know, where you basically get it, you know, they give you a general anaesthetic, give you a skin incision, do nothing, sew it up, wake you up and say, hey, you had the surgery. That is even more effective than a placebo injection. So basically the more painful and invasive the procedure is, the more, the better a placebo effect you get. And that's a pretty robust finding. Mm. The brain's amazing, huh? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. So <laughs> there's a few things going on when someone's, I, I, I guess where I come from with it is, if just just know like I think we need to be you know as evidence based practitioners we need to be mindful of the narrative we use with things like this so you know um, we know that we're not genuinely not releasing something. Well, with, with, I mean, what is release, right? So if you think about you know if you think about like a, what is the IT band, right? Well, it's a thick band of connective tissue. In other words, it's a tendon. Right, it's literally yep. a tendon because the mm-hmm. glute max and the t- the TFL insert into it, and that it inserts into bones down at the knee. Like so, it it, it is the tendon, the common tendon mm. of the tensor fascia latae and the gluteus maximus, um, particularly mm. the iliac fibers. And so, uh, so it's a tendon. Like it it is it's incredibly fucking strong and you know mm-hmm. thick and tough. You know, like we always mm-hmm. already established, you need nine hundred kilos of force to deform it one percent. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, well, you know, what do you think, you know, just imagine we cut that out of you, right? And we stuck it on the table and we rolled it with a rolling pin. Well, what do you suppose would happen to it? Fucking nothing would happen to it. You nothing, know? nothing, I mean, nothing. If, if, you yeah. get a, if you go and, you know, go to the butcher and buy like, you know, yeah. some bit of beef and cut out a bit of the gristle, right? Gristle is fascia. That's what yeah. fascia is, right? Roll it with a rolling pin for 10 minutes. See what happens to yes. it. I'll tell you what's going to happen yeah. to it. Fucking nothing's going to happen to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, try chewing that shit. It's really, mm-hmm. you can't, chew, you can chew it for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and nothing happens to mm-hmm. it. Right? Yeah. It, so just, it doesn't change. You know, what do you no. think you're doing to it? You're, nothing's happening to it. 
It's just no. you're just pressing on it. That's all you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> I um I wouldn't mind um leaving that bit on the ITB with with this great quote from it's one of my favorite. Oh gosh, I've got how many? I've got so many favorite quotes from Greg Lehman. <laughs> He's just such a legend. But he wrote, you know, all ITBs are tight. You can't lengthen them. How horrible would it be if you could lengthen out fascia and connective tissue that we want to be stiff and strong in order to transmit forces and store and release elastic energy? Right. You know? I think it's, you know, and I don't necessarily want to go into the whole tensegrity thing, um, but, uh, you know, or maybe we will, but I don't know. Well, (laughs) <laughs> the, I mean, the whole idea of, you know, like if, you, if, you, if you're somebody who thinks, you know, has, is aware of the idea of tensegrity, well, basically the idea is that, you know, the tension on the fascial system is what keeps the bones in compression and also, you know, decompresses some of the joints. So it's like, well, do we want to release the tension then? You know, I mean, apart from the fact that biotensegrity actually doesn't explain the human body it's not it's not it's not actually what happens inside the human body but maybe that's a conversation for another day mm. well i think i think it, we should talk about because the uh, you know the other thing that you know when we're talking about you know m- the magical some of the the misconceptions and the myths around fascia and i think the um the fascial slings yeah is, well, is, I, th- I think yeah. i think we we need to if we're going to talk about fascia we need to talk about the about that concept? I think this is the, I mean, to me, the, the basic, like the, the the problematic, you know, thinking around this to me is what I think of as like the root cause fallacy. It's like ah, yeah. that, you know, if there's a pain or an ache, okay, there must be a root cause somewhere and we shouldn't just treat the quote symptoms. We should treat the, you know, mm. treat the root cause. And so, you know, if you go to a practitioner, you know, if it's an osteopath or a physiotherapist or whatever, and, you know, a Pilates instructor, and you've got a sore, you know, right shoulder, right, and then they get you on the Pilates reformer and you're doing footwork and they adjust the position of your medial arch on your left foot and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm cured. My shoulder feels better. I can walk again. And it's like, oh, my God, how did you know how to do make that, you know, tiny adjustment to my left arch and now all of a sudden my shoulder pain that I've had for 20 years is gone. And, and so, pe- you know, people have these kind of, you know, aha moments when when – and they think like, oh, I want to learn how to do that. And then they they hear this anatomy trains model that says, well, basically everything's connected to everything. Mm. And that, you know, that kind of makes sense. It's like, oh, well, that's why when she adjusted my foot, my shoulder felt better. Or that's why when she adjusted my shoulder, my hip felt better. Or that's why when she adjusted my hip, my knee felt better or whatever mm. it was. And, you know, of course, what what was really happening in that interaction was probably a whole bunch of placebo and expectation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. therapeutic not, alliance, therapeutic alliance, non-specific yep. effect, regression to the mean, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. cognitive mm-hmm. bias here, you know, a whole mm-hmm. bunch of stuff that happened and it was mm-hmm. nothing to do with the fact that mm-hmm. you did anything to the foot. Like you could have done something to the other foot. It would have worked just as well. You could have done something to uh-huh. the earlobe or the finger. It would have worked just as well. But yeah, uh-huh. so, so. It reminds yeah. me of like the rings theory as well. Oh, the um, the the thoracic rings, the Diane the, Lee. The thoracic, yeah. yeah, the thoracic ring theory. It's like if I put that rib back in place, what does that even mean? What do you mean you're putting my rib back in place? <laughs> like, are you breaking it and then resetting it or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and and I feel like when they do, well, this bit's connected to this bit, and they kind of they kind of show it. I, I feel like I've seen something. Correct me if I'm wrong, Raf, where they've cut slices. Yeah, you can oh. dissect out, like, so, for instance, you know, uh, the uh, splenius, which is one of your neck muscles, down into the rhomboids, which is a shoulder retractor. Uh, it connects into the serratus anterior, which connects into the external obliques, which connects into something else, connecting to something else. You know, so basically you can dissect out all of those muscles as one continuous, you know, chain of of structure, you know, with the surrounding fascia being, you know, what basically holds, you know, holds that chain intact, you know, connects the rhomboids to the serratus anterior to the external obliques, for example. Mm-hmm. So, and and it that's true. It's possible to do that. You know, that's that's been done. People have done that. So that's a mm-hmm. true thing. True thing. But mm-hmm. it's also the case that well, fascia's literally everywhere in your body, right? So mm. you can just 
cut any part out that's still connected to any that's, other part. That's that's kind of like where I, yeah, where I, I saw some EV over the face chat around that. It was like, well, let's just slice it this way. <laughs> you could cut, slice it that sideways. Works too. Yeah. Let's slice it that way. It just depends which way you're slicing. You know, right. that's right. It's exactly right. The tissue. So, um, I, I think though that, you know, this, this, the whole, you know, to me, like the whole idea of anatomy trains, like, you know, it's inherently fascinating that fascia is this substance that connects everything to everything and, and must first serve some purpose. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not there for no reason, but I think it's just like a really, I guess, you know, convenient, you know, model for people to, to explain the, you know, basically non-specific treatment effects, you know, like say when someone adjusts your foot and your shoulder feels better, it's actually, it wasn't anything to do with what they did with your foot. It was all of the mm-hmm. other things, expectation, regression to the mean, therapeutic mm-hmm. alliance, et cetera. Um, but because people are working from a biomedical model, you know, the model of the world that says that, you know, pain is caused in a linear fashion by, you know, tissue damage which let you know, and then a nerve conducts a signal of tissue damage to the brain. Mm. And when you when that nerve signal reaches the brain, therefore pain, right? So pain, you know, denotes tissue damage. So if you have a pain in your shoulder, that means there's damage in your shoulder. If there's damage in your shoulder, that means there's you know, quote dysfunction unquote, you know, in your shoulder. Something's rubbing or pressing or pulling where it shouldn't or too much. Um, and why is it rubbing or pressing or pulling? Well. Maybe something in the lower back is pulling on the shoulder muscle and maybe something in the hip, opposite hip, is pulling on the lower back and maybe something in the knee is pulling on that hip and maybe something in the foot is pulling on the knee. And so actually if you adjust the foot, well, that releases the knee, which releases the low back, which releases the shoulder and all of a sudden, not, you know, the thing that was rubbing or pulling or, or, or compressing in the shoulder is no longer doing so, you know, injury disappears and all of a sudden pain is gone. So that's the kind of the mental map of how pain works that many people have, but that's just not how pain works. It's, I know. I was just going to say, I was going to say, imagine if it was that simple. Yeah. It's, it, like humans, <laughs> it was that, we're not a stack it, of blocks. We're not a stack of blocks. And seriously, guys, if it was that simple, well, back pain wouldn't be, non-specific low back pain wouldn't be the leading cause of disability in the world. Yeah. It's bigger than than cancer, bigger than heart disease in terms of days lost, you know, at work. Yeah. And and so the biomechanical model of pain has not (laughs) served anyone. You yeah. know, it's not it's 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 not worked. <laughs> well, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't explain. You know, pain is just incredibly complex and you know fairly poorly understood at this stage. Mm-hmm. But yep. there are some things that we do know, uh, which uh, and, and most of the things we know, I think, like we know that certain things aren't true. <laughs> so yes, we, we, yes. we actually don't know. You know exactly what you know, causes or alleviates pain, but we've got some clues, but, you know, we have discovered successfully some of the things that don't work or don't explain it. And um, that mm. biomedical model of, you know, pain equals tissue damage plus, plus nerve conduction, you know, mm. um, that has, you know, been, you know, th- I think thoroughly dis- discredited. Um, mm. And I think that's a pretty uncontroversial statement uh, in the scientific community. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So I think I think you know the anatomy trains. You know, if you come, if you have a biomedical, you know, belief system, and it's not a not a like, mm. I don't mean to you know hang shit on you if you've got a if that's been your belief system because that was my belief system you know for for the longest time, mm. and if that's what you were taught, like, well, why would you why would you think otherwise? You know, uh, and intuitively it makes sense. Like if you've got a sore shoulder, it feels like there's something wrong in your shoulder. You know. If you've got a sore knee, it feels like there's something wrong in your knee. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like, you know, it doesn't feel like, oh, gee, I feel like my central nervous system is oversensitized because I haven't been getting yeah. enough sleep and I'm stressed. You know, yeah. that's not the sensation is there's something wrong in my knee, you mm-hmm. know. And so it feels like you want to get in there and do something to it, usually mm. release it or, you know, whatever release means. And so, mm. you know, that's the sensation that we have, but that sensation is not a reliable indicator of the status of the tissues. You know, mm-hmm. it's just not. And that's been abundantly proved. There's just so many lines of research that show that mm. that biomedical model is not an accurate, you know, for example, pl- 
placebo research, right? So if yep. if if the pain in your shoulder or knee was caused by damage, well, why would taking a sugar pill, you know, <laughs> make the pain mm. better? <laughs> right. Mm. So, um, you know, so uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's just it it helps people to make sense of you know the the idea of anatomy trains helps people to make sense of some of the the nonsensical or you know non sequiturs that hap- that 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 aren't explained by the biomedical model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so what, you know, okay, so so we've got listeners out there that are going, oh, but I really love rolling out on a foam roller. I really love rolling out on a lacrosse ball. I really, I love, I love the feeling. Well, great. Cool. Do it. Do you it. Know, and, but, and, but, and, but don't and, do it as maintenance. Like you're not doing no. anything, you're not like, it's not preventative maintenance. It's not. It's not doing. It's not increasing the health of your tissues, right? It's just. It's you're basically pain gating, you know. So if you've got a dull ache in your knee and rolling on a foam roller for a minute helps it, great. You know, do that. But what you should really do if you've got a dull ache in your knee over time is do some quad strengthening and some hip strengthening. I was going to say load it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, aggressively that, load that's, it. That's the long term fix. And rolling yeah. a foam roller might give you some relief for an hour, right? But it's it it. After one hour, you're back to 100% baseline. Like it does no, there's no progressive additive effect of foam uh-huh. rolling, and there's no certainly no preventative effect of foam rolling. It's just you know you're just fucking with the nervous system basically. Like that's it, that's all. Yeah, you're doing. and I think you make a really good point there too, Raf. And and this sort of brings my memory back for a moment when I was um, when I've graded graded. Uh, um, in the past when I've graded some some programs that, that students are sending clients home with, um, rehab programs, and if that program, if I look at that program and that program's foam rolling for half an hour a day and that's kind of mm. it, to me that's a no. Like you're yep. actually doing, you're actually doing your client a disservice because you're just, you know, giving them some momentary relief of whatever, but you're not doing anything to actually get them stronger yeah. and long-term help them. And I, and if we, you know, from a, from a duty of care and best practice, we need to be working towards that with our clients. That's what we should be doing with them, not just simply neuromodulation. Mm. The other thing, the other interesting effect that foam rolling has or any kind of, um, you know, rolling on a ball or whatever is that it It temporarily, you know, for like for an hour or so, uh, increases the range of motion of mm. that joint um, without decreasing the strength. You know, so if you roll on your, you know, pecs or your shoulder muscles or whatever, you get a, you know, if you roll on your hamstrings, say, you know, you'll be able to touch your toes more easily, you know, temporarily, you know, for the next half hour or hour or whatever. Uh, and then that goes away, you know. So, and if you do that every day, you don't get more and more and more flexible. It's just a temporary, you know, transient phenomenon but it's it's a it could be like if you were about to you know if you were to you if you were about to you know do some kind of activity for which you don't quite have enough mobility you know like if you're about to do like weightlifting where your arms need your shoulders need to be really mobile and your shoulders aren't quite mobile enough well if you did some you know rolling on a ball on the whatever muscles you know that might that would probably temporarily slightly increase your shoulder range of motion uh to the same degree that stretching those muscles would do it. But when you stretch a muscle, you know, for 30 seconds or more in a static stretch, you actually, you increase the range of motion temporarily, but you also temporarily decrease the maximum strength of that mm. muscle, right? So you get about a 10% decrease in maximum strength, which is just transient, you know, just lasts a mm. couple of hours um, when you do a static stretch. So static stretching is a terrible warm up for athletic, mm. you know, sports, but, but foam rolling might be part of a, good warm-up, which should definitely include active loaded range of motion movements, right? Mm. But if you're doing foam rolling or some other kind of rolling, you know, that might be, you know, one occasion where it would be useful to temporarily increase your range of motion without reducing the, the strength or the contractile force. So whack it in your warm-up. If, if you, you want, want to, if, if you're into, that's what I'm a, saying, if you want yeah, to. Not as preventative maintenance, you know. <laughs> no. Not as like, oh, I've got to do this. It's, you know, I, you know, people think I should, quote, do it. You know, that's the same they thing do. people think about stretching. It's like, no, you shouldn't. Uh-huh. Just if you want to do it, do it, you know. Uh-huh. If it makes you feel good, do it, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> but if uh-huh. not, there's no, there's no obligation. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. We both know I don't like stretching. I'm the, yeah. and I know there's no obligation. So, but I know there's an obligation for cardio and strength training. Yeah. So I sure as hell make sure I get those in um, yeah. on the regular. But stretching, I'm like. Meh. I, I do want to just think about, um, you know, in, in relation to anatomy trains, uh, you know, there is... There, it's Tom Myers coming for us after this. <laughs> um, I think there is some, well, you know, I, I have seen research, I do have research that, that has found that some force is transmitted between, uh, you know, muscles that are adjacent uh, and you know connected. So, for example, between your plantar fascia on the bottom of your foot and your Achilles mm-hmm. tendon. Okay, neither of them is a muscle, but you know you get what I mean. Um, you know when you tension the plantar fascia, you can measure, you know, uh, or you can actually see a movement in the Achilles tendon. Right. So if you basically get a cadaver, you know, a dead person, um, and you mm-hmm. you know you get a pair of forceps and you pull on there plantar fascia, well, it moves the Achilles tendon, right? Um, right. And, and, you know, similar things have been found in where if you pull on the gluteus maximus, it will increase, you know, slightly the tension in the latissimus dorsi on the other side, you know, so the glute to opposite lat kind of uh, what they call that, the posterior oblique sling, I think. Um, and you know that that's been shown, you know, in a few other muscles. So, for instance, the the biceps femoris to the sacrotuberous ligament, the adductor longus to the rectus femoris, uh, or to the rectus abdominis. You know, so a few muscles. I've basically, you know, on a cadaver, when you pull on one muscle, it pulls on the next muscle in the myofascial sling. Um, there are cups. So that you know that's interesting, um, but there there are probably uh, three. You know, three major problems that I see with that research. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one is the the magnitude and the degree of force that is transmitted is very small. So, for instance, if you pull on, you know, the the gluteus maximus, right, it distorts the thoracolumbar fascia, which is what the latissimus dorsi, you know, inserts into, mm-hmm. um, for a distance of about ten centimeters. Right or between four and ten centimeters. So if you think like, what's the distance from your glute to your opposite lat? Well, it's probably about fifteen centimeters, twenty yeah, centimeters, I was gonna, right? Yeah, to yeah. The, to the to the base of the lat, right? Mm. What's the yeah. difference from your gl- distance from your glute to your opposite shoulder? That's probably like, you know, seventy or eighty centimeters, <laughs> depending right? on how tall you are. Exactly. Yeah. So so that force is not transmitted all the way to the shoulder joint. Right. And you can just do this as a real simple experiment yourself, right? If you're sitting, mm. wherever you're sitting or standing right now, tense your right butt muscle. Just tense your right butt muscle. Mm-hmm. Does your left arm move? No, it doesn't. <laughs> right? <laughs> but now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> right. But when, so, I mean, that's pretty obvious, no. isn't it? Right. You, you can Very move, obvious. you can tense your butt muscle. It doesn't move your arm. And like the same way, like lift your arm up overhead. Well, that stretched your lat out. Did it move your leg? No, it didn't. You know, so yes, there is force transmission between these structures, but it's it's very limited and it only travels mm. a short distance. So that's one thing. The second thing is that, uh, you know, when they do these studies in cadavers, well, when you, you like you get a pair of forceps and you pull on a, you know, like you detach the glute max from the IT band. And so it's now just attached to the pelvis. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you get a pair of forceps and you pull on it. Well, that is not the same force as what happens when someone contracts their glute max. You know, like that is, it's not, I don't mean the same degree of force. I mean, the actual way that the force is transmitted, it doesn't generate the same vectors that a actual much muscle contraction generates. Mm. So it's, it's not mimicking the exact, you know, thing that happens when you're alive. The third thing is that just cadavers aren't the same as real bodies, right? So the embalming fluid that they use, um, uh, the formaldehyde essentially mm. um, makes collagen form gr- more crosslinks, which basically makes connective tissue stiffer. Stiffer, yeah. Right, and and just think about it. It's like, well, are corpses more stiff than living people? Yes, they are. Mm. Right, and that's now yeah, that's one of the primary reasons is that the connective tissue becomes more stiff. Also, we mentioned right at the start about the sort of heat dependent viscosity of connective tissue. Mm. So as connective tissue is hotter, it becomes more fluid, more malleable, right? Uh, and, you know, for ligaments, they don't become liquids, but they, they you know, they so, they are softer at warmer temperatures compared to colder temperatures. Well, corpses are, you know, that have been in the fridge 
are a colder temperature than a living human. <laughs> so mm. they're more stiff, right? And and mm. the, the final part of that is that uh, when most of these corpses are frozen, then thawed for use, right? Um, and so when you freeze and then thaw something, that also affects the mechanical properties of the tissues. So when they ah. do these experiments on cadavers and they pull on the glute max and they go, oh, look, the lat moved. It's like, yeah, but it only moved a tiny bit and about a few centimetres away from yeah. the glute. Didn't move the other shoulder. And also, it like you're pulling on it with a pair of tweezers. That's not the same thing as contracting it. And also, it's been an embalming fluid and also it's been frozen and thawed. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. how much can we really extrapolate from that? you know, literature. Mm. Mm. So this has been awesome and super, super informative. There's one other, there was the, the, uh, the one other thing when, when we're talking about fascia I just wanted to mention was the big sort of um, excitement around the, when discovering the interstitium. Oh, yeah. The, the new organ, which was, I think, discovered, I think, early-ish 2018. Do yeah. we want to do we want to touch on that? I, I I know that a lot of the and you know the Pilates some of the Pilates realm went very got very excited about it. Mm. Do we need to be excited about it? Well, I think you know I think like fascia is like I find all aspects of anatomy inherently fascinating. You know, like right. I find yeah. you know blood cells interesting and tendons and ligaments fascinating and muscle contraction physiology and neurobiology you know, like it's all interesting and fascia is no less interesting than any of the rest of it like it's it's inherently interesting it's everywhere you know it's got all these really interesting properties like it's got mechanoreceptors in it you know so it's got nerve endings that can sense mechanical tension it's got you know it was showed uh, about a decade ago i think by robert schleep that uh fascia has some muscle cells in it, you know, some contractile cells in it. They're very few and far between, you know, so, you know, like, you know, it has very, very, very weak capacity to contract, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, so it, it's essentially, you know, it, it's the, you know, a contraction in fascia could produce, I don't know the exact number, but let's, you know, say like, you know, one or 2% of the amount of force that, you know, a muscle of the same size could produce. So the amount of force that fascia produces actively is essentially negligible, but mm -hmm. it's interesting. You know, it's interesting that that is the case. And, you know, the, this kind of colloidal kind of nature of it where it's, you know, when you mechanically stimulate it, it changes its viscosity. You know, that's interesting. You know, to me, that's like a fascinating kind of property. Mm. Uh, the mm. fact that you know, when you apply tension to fascia, you know, whether that's a ligament or a tendon or, or your IT band or whatever, like the collagen fibers within that structure align themselves along the line of force that is transmitted through that structure. And that, in fact, that's the same in your bones as well. You know, there are so many like fascinating properties of fascia, you know, that it would be really, you know, fun to do a course on or a you know, read a book about or watch a video on or whatever, but they're not, or they haven't been shown to be relevant to how we give exercise to people or, you know, massage them or, you know, whatever. It's like mm. there is no, you know, research at all showing that, you know, if you do this particular thing that helps people because fascia, you know, Yes. So there's lots of interesting laboratory stuff about dissections and, you know, histology exams under electron microscopes and things, but that is not the same thing as knowing that, you know, we if we do a certain treatment, it works because fascia, you know, so... I and think, that, and yeah. that and that is the important thing. So, so <laughs> discovering a new fascial organ, you know, discovering a, this and that is all really interesting. Mm. Does it mm. change how we interact with our bodies or how we, you know, the, the narrative we give to our clients? No. I would say no. Well, <laughs> and I think, you know, what and I about think the that's, you know, you know. What about the what about the duodenum? You know, what about your gallbladder? You know, it's like, why don't we get excited about those? You know, I did this exercise and it worked because gallbladder – you know, because yeah. mesentery, because 
<laughs> so, so for me, that's that. I'm I'm very passionate about. Uh, obviously, as are you. You know, um, as continually elevating health literacy. Mm. Yeah, that's what we're trying and, to do. And and to elevate health literacy, you have to come from an informed place, and you you need to um, yeah be really mindful of the narrative that you use. And um, I and I think this is probably a podcast for for another day. Uh, not turn something into something it's not, or pathologize something, etc., for collateral gain. Yeah, and I think you know, I, I think I actually don't think that's what most people do. I think no, uh, mo- most uh, people. Uh, no, I don't think most people. But I do definitely. I'm not. I'm not pointing my finger at anyone specific in the Pilates world, but. You know, I can absolutely, you know, we, we know I don't really like Vinnie Rehab much. <laughs> yeah, there's sure. There are some idiots in the <laughs> world. Some, but there, yeah, you know, like, you know, I could, I could, I could name a few. But Vinnie yeah. Rehab doesn't listen to this podcast, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, you know, I think the people listening to this podcast, you know, if they've been foam rolling their IT bands or telling their clients to, you know, release their plantar fascia to fix their headaches or, you know, working on the left external oblique to fix the right rotator cuff or something. Like, you know, they haven't been doing it, you know, to because they're shilling for big fascia or because they're, you know, trying to build their evil empire or anything like that. I think, you know, they're just, they're very well-meaning and they have the client's best interests at heart and they're doing to the best of their ability what they've been trained to do, you know, to provide the best possible care to their clients. And I think, you know, what, what, you know, what we're offering is the opportunity to just update your narrative, um, which doesn't necessarily mean you should stop, you know, rolling if you if you enjoy it. But it just means that, you know, like it's probably not working by a, a biomechanical mechanism and you don't need to do it as preventative maintenance. And there's nothing, you know, if, you, if your knee hurts, it's very, very possible that there's actually nothing wrong physically inside your knee. And there's some kind of complex interaction of central nervous system, physiology, and you know, psychology, social environment, whatever, that are, you know, all resulting in some, you know, kind of pain experience. But actually, you know, there's nothing wrong with your IT band. Hmm. So let's let's get people moving. Yeah. <laughs> Empower fearless movement, <laughs> reassure, reassurance and advice to stay active mm. and and you know, um I think that's that's what we should be doing. And, really. I, and, I, and I think as practitioners, you know, I mean hundred percent obviously I hundred percent agree with what you just said. <laughs> um but I think as practitioners, you know, like we we often fall into the trap of of explaining why something worked. You know, like, oh, you know, the magic treatment worked when I adjusted the arch of your left foot and fixed your right shoulder, you know, because, you know, fascia. Um, and we, we fall into the trap of explaining why something worked before we even know if it worked, you know, like, because actually doing something to your foot didn't fix your shoulder, you know, almost certainly it was much more likely to be a combination of placebo, regression to the mean, expectation, therapeutic alliance, et cetera, et cetera, you know see our episode on uh, cognitive biases. Uh-huh. Um, and and so we're explaining the wrong phenomenon. You know, we're going, oh, why did adjusting the foot work? It's like, uh, actually, no, that's the wrong question. Adjusting the foot didn't work. <laughs> so you're explaining yeah. something that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, what we really need to learn to do as as practitioners, and this is a lifelong process, you know, I still you know, I'm totally prone to this, uh, you know, as is everybody, is is we need to, you know, not, uh, or we need to, you know, start to think about like, oh, okay, well, the person got better, great, you know, I don't know if that's something I did <laughs> or was just going to happen anyway if left to their own devices mm-hmm. or if it is something I did, it's probably not one thing I did. It's probably the whole complex interaction that involved human, you know, warmth and a pat on the shoulder and a kind word and expectation and all of that other stuff. Um, and that, you know, unraveling that to a simple cause and effect so I can repeat the same treatment on the next person to get the same result is not reality. That is not how pain works. It's just way, way more complex than that. And we just, you know, we have to be humble enough um, to let go of our need to, you know, understand a direct cause and effect linkage. 
Oh, perfectly said, Ralph. Reckon that's about the end of the show. What do you reckon? I I, I do believe that has brought us to fruition. So mm. awesome. Thank you. I I learned lots during that during that. That was wonderful. See you next fascinating week. fascinating world of fascia. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means You keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.